this podcast is not to be used as medical advice or medical education. If you are experiencing pain, discomfort, or any other medical or physical ailment, please consult a licensed medical doctor or physical therapist. This is the strategy of fitness. Hey, this is Dan Gore from the Strategy of Fitness Podcast. We'd like to thank you for all of your support. And if you love the podcast, please recommend to a friend. Find the Strategy of Fitness on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play. Please like, subscribe, follow, and leave a review if you can. On Instagram, we are at the Strategy of Fitness. And we also give you the best gym songs every week. The Strategy of Fitness official hitters playlist on Spotify and Apple Music. Welcome back to episode 59 of the Strategy of Fitness Podcast. My name is Nick Cressy, joined weekly by Dan Gorin and Rob Rowland. Boys, what's up? I'm doing great, man. I'm just trying to recover from our guest, man. He was like a, like an AK-47 of amazing knowledge and just great stuff, man. I can't wait for you guys to listen. Dan John was, was absolutely fantastic. How are you doing, Rob? Dude, I'm still tingling. I, I've been reading Dan John ever since I got into this game, like, I don't know, 14 years ago he's just one of the stalwarts been around forever so man i love doing these intros after we talk to the guests because I'm, I'm so much more amped up right now for anyone out there that has ever read t nation ever done the ten thousand or heard of the ten thousand kettlebell swing challenge that's dan john like this dude is is the truth and his story is pretty cool he gets into it so before we jump into that any good workouts for the week dan kick it off yeah, Rob shot me over, so it was raining on Sunday. I, I'll run in the rain, but I don't love it, so I just kind of needed like a longer kind of steady state cardio, and he gave me a great EMOM. So it was kettlebell swings, the 80-pound kettlebell, 15. So every minute on the minute for 30 minutes, 15 kettlebell swings, and then 10 barbell thrusters. And again, kept me at like a rating of perceived exertion at about a 5 to a 6 for a solid 30 minutes. Heart rate stayed like 135 to 140, which I think was a, a great intended stimulus. And, you know, throughout that workout, you're doing about 20 to 30 seconds of work, 22 to 25 for most of the movements, most of the rounds. It just keeps going for 30 minutes. So great movement. You could try it out there. And if you're not ready for the swings, again, you could do kettlebell deadlifts. And if you're not ready for the thrusters, you could do squats, goblet squats, whatever you want. But that, that was a really cool workout. Just try to make your work-rest ratio kind of one-to-one or as close to that as you can. So thanks, Rob. That was great. Yeah, it's just get away from the timer goes off and just try to do as much work as you can in 10 minutes or finish this workout as fast as you can. Like a paced workout, I mean, that's where you make real progress. You can't just drill yourself into the ground every single workout. I know you guys don't deload or do any of that stuff, but listen to me once in a while. I got some good ideas. I try to deload and then Nick will roast me. If Nick catches wind of me deloading, I get seven angry texts. <laughs> There's no deloading. I hit him on the DMs and say, hey, bro, come on. Fuck Rob now anyway. <laughs> Rob, what'd you hit this week? Lifting wise, nothing crazy. I just got, I came in from a lift before we started this and I hit like, this is my last week of the mezzo. So I hit three by eight on the hang power cleans at 225 without the hook grip. So, you know, I'm making sure the grip's still, still holding on. I sent you guys a picture. I hate talking about the bike workouts, but... I'm going to the month five now of hitting these things five times a week. And I, I did the three, three minutes on, two minutes off for six rounds. 
and I'm putting out paces now that used to be like aerobic power workouts for me, like 30 on 30 off 60 on 60 off. And I'm doing three minutes straight and, and recovering in a less than one-to-one -one ratio and st still hitting those numbers. So it's, it's cool to see how the, the aerobic system is adapting on this year, the engine program. And it's, it's been keeping training fun during, during quarantine. How many weeks in were you before you actually started? Because I remember us talking about this and you testing and then retesting and weren't being that happy with your results. Obviously, you were tired and you were training through some stuff, right? How many weeks until you really started to see like, oh, shit, I'm getting good at this? I think it was like halfway through the third month, so maybe 10 weeks into it. And I mean, that's aerobic adaptation it takes a while, right? It's a, That's it's crazy, though. I mean, I mean, I think we should pause there and think about that, like... That is some persistence that most people don't have. And if you're listening and you've hit a plateau and you think that you're just always going to get to your next PR, or your next PR, that's not how it works. Three months of doing something five times a week and then realizing like, oh, I'm getting good at this. That's a ton of work. It's not fun, but it's just like setting those little mini goals each week. Just like, I know I got to find a way to get in five workouts. And then next week you just do it again. What'd you get this week, Nick? This week started off slowly, but for one, I want to recommend to everyone, I've recommended it to Dan, 30 bucks, cheap piece of gear, the drag rope. Rogue makes it, or maybe maybe someone else makes it, RX may make it. And it is awesome. Good God, it has jacked me up. So I've been doing a lot of workouts with that. Anything with double unders, I'm using it. It's got like the old school handles. So like you really have to get your forearms into it when you're doing your double unders, even single unders, I think would be difficult with it. The only thing worth mentioning so far this week, I did, it was a 15, 185 power snatches, two minute rest, 15, 225 clean and jerks. And that was a six minute and 51 second total. So I did two minutes of the power snatches, two minute rest, 251 of the clean and jerks that jacked me up. So Whatever your weight is out there, you know, mess with it. You could do 115, you could do 95, whatever it is. It's just not enough rest after those snatches. The two minutes is just not enough. Dan, I think you mentioned you were going to do it at like 135, 155. I think, I think 150, 155, that number sounds like, you know, like I said, I'm just kind of getting back into the heavy clean. So, so I think 155 maybe would be good. 135, definitely. But yeah, I mean, I always think I'm, I'm fucking delusional. I think I could do like, you know, 155. Well, the snatches, I, I was yeah. saying 135 for the power snatches, two minute rest, 155 for the clean and jerks. Cause oh yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, you're saying, yeah, 130. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Cause the, the 135 is a heavy ass power snatch for me. Well, I did power snatch 145 pretty easily the other day. So I think that like, I just, you know, I just need to work on my snatch a little bit more, which I don't, don't do enough. Yeah, but that was a super simple 30 rep exercise. You probably get it done in under 10 minutes. Just find some weights that aren't sticky that you could probably put together, do four or five unbroken if you needed to, but that's obviously not the intention and just keep it consistent. You don't want to have that massive drop off. Rob, tee up Dan John. Don't fuck this up. All right. So tonight's guest, Daniel John, one of the the most prolific writers in the strength and conditioning field. So like Nick and I said, we, we've been reading this guy since 06 or earlier. He's a cornerstone in the field, right? Like he's, he's a guy you read when you're a beginner because this stuff just makes sense. Uh, when you become intermediate and you think you know everything, you're like, yeah, Dan John stuff's too basic. And then as you develop some time in the field, you kind of look back and read Dan John stuff. You're like, man, this guy, he just gets it. He's, he's not selling sexy programming. It's just the basics. And after talking with him for 30 minutes, this guy, I mean – we could talk to him for days. He's, he's got deep thoughts on everything. So, so please enjoy. 
He seemed prompt to come back on again. I mean, like like you said, we could have a, a seven hour you know conversation. I felt like I should have paid like continuing ad money just to hear him talk. Man, that guy's a fucking legend. You should Venmo him money, please. Yeah, well, <laughs> probably worth it for sure. Hope you guys enjoy the interview. Welcome to the Strategy of Fitness podcast, Dan John. What's going on, man? Just you know, coveting. I'm doing a good job coveting. I worked out with some disc. I, I coached the throws at this college here, and today we found out that. <laughs> quarantine so that where are you of, at where are you at nowadays i live in a place called utah it's one of the 50 states a little beautiful little town called murray utah where in fact it's interesting people from paris will come to murray and go oh my god finally the city of lights you know so <laughs> that's it huh got murray, it yeah utah. i get the same thing here in delaware well Look, I'm assuming you never heard of us before I hit you up on Instagram. Thanks for taking some time. Before we get into who you are, what you do, and how much Rob and I have been reading your stuff for the last decade and a half, let's talk about we do it with every guest. What'd you hit today? You mentioned a workout. We like to know what you hit, what you're doing in the gym now, and then we'll go back to who you are. Today was a little bit odd for me. So I got in there. There was a question on my podcast about the Olympic snatch. So what I did is I got there about half an hour early and I I did a bunch of Olympic snatches, and then I showed the power snatch overhead squat, which one of my athletes used to call the drill. But the actually the actual the drill is power snatch overhead squat, then a hang squat snatch, and then a squat snatch from the floor. And that's just three reps. But when I'm on the podcast, explaining what that was. And so I did that for about half an hour. I got, I don't know, maybe I didn't go very heavy. I mean, in low hundreds, and then... I had to do something, and then today, basically, I did about about a mile and a half of heavy hands with five-pound ankle weights in each ankle, five-pound weights, a whole bunch of a long suspension trainer warm-up, lots of pulls. I think for most men who, who have my background in throwing and lifting, you probably can't do enough T, Y, I, single-arm ropes. I just, I just don't think it's possible to do enough because of the, the damage incurred from a you know, I threw the discus for 40 years. I've been lifting weights since 1965. You know, there's been times where I've been imbalanced and not just emotionally and mentally. I did a whole bunch of half kneeling presses today and then a whole bunch of double kettlebell presses. So I, was, I kind of a weird little superset. I was trying to figure out what to do. I was doing uh, double kettlebell presses, five to eight reps, put the weight down, and then bent knee hanging leg raises. I had this mental image of, I don't know how well it worked, but it was a good... It, it felt good. It looked good, I, I bet, too. This is a great idea. I'll get back to you on the research on that as soon as I, you know, I'll see, how, I'll see how that goes. But, you know, double kettlebell press and then bent knee hanging leg raise, you know, I got to tell you, it, it kind of felt good. So what I try to do about three days a week is Olympic snatch and overhead press. Now, here's the funny thing, Nick. When I was about 12 or 13, I thought to myself, you know, when I'm an old guy, if I, all I did was Olympic snatch and press overhead, I do just fine. I'm 12, 13 years old. And I look back and I think, that's not bad. You know, that's a, I, I like this kid, you know, I, he's, he's swell, you know? So that was, that was my workout. And then I probably walked an additional two miles today. It was cool though. When I went to the coach, we had to move to a different field for some reason. So I couldn't figure out how to get in there. So I had to take this long way around. But as I was going around in the park there, there are these guys doing suspension trainers and kettlebells in the park. So I went over and hung out with those guys for a little while. That was kind of cool, you know? Yeah, so. I love it. Yeah, uh, overall, solid day. Yeah. yeah, I would say. So look, you've written 14 books, 14, right? 
I think so. Yeah. Yeah. You got a killer YouTube channel. Awesome podcast. Like you said, competitive discus. I know you have some crazy lifting background, coaching on and on. Take us all the way back, man. Build us up. How'd you get here? And then we'll dive into the good stuff. Well, actually, and it's funny because I, I bought the little book. It's up there. I actually have both books, but my aunt, Anne, died, and she left me and my brothers 500 bucks. So they went, this is 1964, 65. So that was, you know, that was nice. So they went to a little place called Sears World Buck and bought the Ted Williams barbell set, 110 pounds. And my goal was to lift the bar with those big 10-pound plates on each end. Gentle listener, just for the record, I did do that. I don't want to brag, but I did get that, ultimately got there. So I just kind of fell in love with weightlifting uh, when I was a kid. I think I started reading Strength and Health magazine not long after that. And the thing I've always liked, and it's to a fault, some of the qualities I have are not good, but I love progressive things. I love when you can learn something and build on it and build on it and build on it and build on it. Like I like geometry a lot because it's very progressive, very, and then, but I also on the same time, like if then to a fault, to a fault. If you do this, then this is going to have to happen. But what I liked about weightlifting is even right there in the beginning, even though I was only lifting the bar and maybe, maybe I was lifting 10 pounds with the bar. I mean, it was very light, but if I practiced that a few weeks later, I could press more plates on there. And then if I kept at that, I could put more plates on there. So it was kind of all over the place. I found a good book. So it's Miles Callum's Bodybuilding and Self-Defense. The hardcover was at the library and I, and I, I got it and I started reading through it and everything was so simple. And I took a judo class at the time because he recommended learning how to tumble. So one day a week, I learned how to tumble. And the other couple of days a week, I do this little weightlifting program. And when I got to the ninth grade, I was a transfer from a Catholic school to a public junior high, which is a real change in life. I got to tell you that. That was a massive 118 pound middle linebacker, you know, ready to just take on the world. But what I discovered is that weightlifting helped. And then I, wrote, I read a book called Seven Days of Sunday. I'll go through this real fast. On Wednesday, we'd meet Kenny Avery. In high school, he threw the shot, discus, did the hurdles, and did the 800. I didn't like the 800. I kept hurling all through high school. I wasn't very good at the shot because I was too small. But here's the thing about the discus. In the ninth grade, everyone just does standing throws, except for me. I did the full turn. The next year, they started doing the full turn, and I had throwing shoes. The next year, they had throwing shoes, but I was doing incline bench presses and cleans. So I was always able to just, like I Olympic lifted before a lot of my competitors Olympic lifted. Remember what he said about progression? It's just kind of the way I like to look at the world. And funny side story is in my ninth grade year, my brother Rich and my sister-in-law, Diane, with two ends, by the way, and I always forget that, took me to track and field news. I bought the track and field on the book, and basically the book said, that Ralph Mon at Utah State University was the best discus coach in America. I told my sister Corrine, I said, I want to go to Utah State University and throw the discus. Well, I wasn't good enough to come out of high school, but after junior college, one and all these things, I get a phone call one night and it's, hello, I'm Ralph Mon from Utah State University. I'd like to offer you a full ride scholarship. Just before I graduated, he said he needed some help in the weight room because from 75 to 79, track and field lifting went from snatch, clean, press, squat to bodybuilding because of the book, Arnold, the Educational Bodybuilder. I saw that change happen and he didn't like the way the guys were lifting because why would you want hypertrophy on a high jumper? You know, Coach Newton is very clear about this action and reaction stuff, but that's what they were doing. They were, you know, doing curls and skull crushers because that'll make you jump higher. And so I came back and I was 
I may have been the first track and field strength coach in universities in the United States. No, it's not. I mean, no one cares. <laughs> really, yeah, we care. We care. It's fucking thank, awesome. Thank you. And then after that, my athletic career and my coaching career and my teaching career just all kind of, you know, kind of meshed after that. And, and here we are tonight talking about it. So that's enough. We don't need more of that. So this is my, what, 42nd year coaching. As you saw that change going from all the Olympic lifting stuff, how did you come to terms with kind of communicating with the coach about your philosophy on how the Olympic lifting could be more transferable than the bodybuilding? How, how do you go about doing something like that in your own mind and well, actually, communication? It was kind of easy at the time because it wasn't yet. So the frat boys all bodybuilded. I mean, every single frat boy at Utah State University was doing Arnold's advanced six day week program. And if you know the book, it's the split, you know, the, the supersets, you know, everybody did that. God, watching them squat with 135 was illuminating because I don't think their knees bent, but th- enough of that. They would do a set of 10 and never move. Okay, that was me. See, I told you. We know those guys. We know those guys. We're friends with those guys, believe it or not. <laughs> and, and actually, you know, I like your question, but it, I don't remember it being a massive thing. The throwers trusted me because my numbers were so much better than theirs. Does that make sense to you? Street, that's called street cred. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Some of the runners and hurdlers trusted me because, you know, they knew my story about being undersized and, and hard work. I, had, they really only, I can only think of one person I had issues with, and it was, he was a javelin thrower. The day he was born, God just shot down a lightning bolt and gave him everything he'd ever want. I could only get him to train, honestly, about three weeks in the weight room correctly, and that's when he bombed the nation's number one throw. So, but, and then he went back to not being a model citizen. So I got to tell you, man, genetic gifts in our sports is a lot like giving, it's a lot like having trust funds. It is, it, it is poison, man. If you can ever get a kid who can combine hard work with good DNA, lights out, man, lights out. Yeah. But it doesn't happen very often. There's probably a few examples out there, but they seem to be few and far between. We hear about the examples of the wasted talents. So Dan, you're one of the, the cornerstones in the human performance world. Like I always love reading your stuff because I feel like it's, it's the basics, right? But it's really hard to write the basics and make the, the layman understand your, your points. So I feel like you've been very consistent through the years coming up, reading all your stuff. But I want to know from Dan John in, in the 70s, working with throwers to Dan John today, how has your philosophy and human performance kind of evolved? I will cut and paste my movement matrix and you guys can put it up on the, would that be okay? Yeah. So I still think, honestly, I still think snatch, clean and jerk, farmer walks, snatch, clean and jerk, prowler, snatch, clean and jerk, hill sprints, okay, whatever, whatever you got. I still think that's where you want to be in performance. But then I had to grow up as, as a coach. And the number one thing I had to grow up is not everyone in the world is going to Olympic lift five days a week for two and a half to three hours and then go throw the discus for two and a half, three hours. And I had to realize that what was happening is a lot of people didn't understand the very basics of tension. So I had to, it took a long time. This, by the way, I'm saying this fast, but this took a long time. So that's why push, pull, hinge, squat, load, and carry. Okay, that's my thing, all right? So in the push, that's when I realized you actually had to teach athletes planks, okay? In the pull, I thought the TRX was the stupidest thing I ever saw until I saw the single arm row. But the nice thing about the TRX doing things like there's certain, you can, you can do a row and hold it here and just hold it and teach the athlete to engage 
the entire, whatever you want to call it, the back or whatever, okay? And then the hip thrust, which I think is a fundamental movement, you know, we can do it blue bridge style to teach tension, or we can do it for reps, you know, more of the Brett Contreras. And then there's two exercises. One's the goblet squat, and the other is the farmer walk, which to me are fundamental. The goblet squat, to be honest, probably the finest invention in the history of strength. Who came up with it? Dr. Goblet, I believe. You know, his name is Dan Stern. <laughs> Hey, John, no shit. There you go. Inventor of the goblet squat. There are so many exercises you guys use in the gym that I've invented. The names and the exercise. But you just don't. You ever done a suit? Yeah, you're welcome. welcome. Thank you. The thing about the goblet squat and the farmer walk is that they're moving planks. So once I get you to learn the tension, now we move into the tradition of of what we would call general, you you call it general strength training, okay? So that's going to be bench military. It's going to be rope pull-up. It's going to be members of the hinge family, like probably rack deadlifts, the whole squat family. Personally, I go gobble squat, overhead squat, front squat, back squat. That's how, that's how I teach it. I have a YouTube coming out maybe tomorrow on that. And then just like prowlers after that. Okay, so there's there's the next step. And then I would worry a little bit about asymmetrical balance issues. This, By the way, I'm summing 42 years of Mostly mistakes, folks. This is not all, this isn't all perfect, okay? And that's, that can be the one-arm bench, the one-arm press. That's the, the, the one, the single-arm row on the suspension trainer, I think is genius. Because if you're perfect on one side and you look like someone shot you with, you know, a bolt of lightning on the other and you're flailing, you've got an imbalance. When it comes to, with the hinge, I like hill running. I know that sounds weird, but if you watch someone run up a hill, you can quickly see their asymmetries. And now I don't think I have a perfect eye for things, but it's so clear to me. And, and once I point it out, uh, here's a good way to do it. If, if, if you're new folks, uh, listeners, is take either two broomsticks or two PVC pipes, hold them in the middle and sprint up a hill. Even the dumb kids figure out after the third hit to the face that they're running asymmetrically. There you go. The smart kids, it only takes once, you know. And then in the world of asymmetry in the squat, we do the bear hug carry, and then every so often say squat. And the bear hug carry seems to highlight asymmetries. And then the waiter walk and the suitcase carry. After that, we now add speed. And the, the way I go on speed would be the overhead ballistic lifts, you know, the jerks. The swing, I take a lot of time coaching this to take. I don't get to the kettlebell swing with a lot of people. Shockingly few, actually, now. The longer I coach the more and more time I take to teach the kettlebell swing. And then we call these, the, the next one's called lift and sprints. That's like you maybe do a set of goblet squats on the eighth rep, you toss the bell away and sprint, maybe 20 to 40 yards hard. From there, if you can handle all that, then, and we have time, I teach the Olympic lift, snatch and clean and jerk. But when we get into the snatch and clean and jerk, you know tension, you know how to squat, you know how to hinge, you know, you know, you know. And also, too, we've eliminated, if you do have an asymmetry, you know, if you've got some broken up left shoulder, putting whipping weights overhead is not a good idea, I think. Yeah. Nick, you were going to ask a question, sir? You're the second guest now that said you temper and you kind of wait for the kettlebell. Shed some light on that because, again, this is just my pure ignorance of like a kettlebell is a single piece of equipment and it's easy to tell people to go do, probably not accurately. I tell them to do the Dan John squat all the time, which is now what I'm going to call the goblet squat. But talk about that progression. Let's make sure you're clear. I said the swing, the kettlebell swing. Correct. 
So here, I always explain it at workshops like this. So we were out partying last night. A friend of mine said, Dan, I bet you can't drink that bottle of Jack Daniels. And I said, oh, yeah, watch this. And I totally John Belushi animalized it. You know, blah, 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 blah. And then I realized I have to get, I have to drive 40 miles to get home. So I got on my Lamborghini and I just put pedal to the metal. Okay, when did you start thinking I was an idiot? When I see someone making someone do kettlebell swings and they don't understand a hinge, they don't understand a plank, they don't understand what a hinge is, what a hamstring is, stop. And then I've got a bunch of, it'll be free on my YouTube channel, but I walk everybody through all the progressions I use. And by the way, the hip thrust is a kettlebell swing. It's the same thing, but it's so much easier for people to do the hip thrust than the formal kettlebell swing. Oh, the first day you show up, you're going to be doing kettlebell goblet squats and presses and all kinds of things. It's the swing I worry about. Okay. So make sure we're clear on that. And it is confusing. It can be confusing, but I'm not a big believer in adding speed to bad movement. Perfectly put speed to bad movement. Yeah. And that's what you see people doing often when they're swinging a kettlebell and they don't know what they're doing. So right. And more. They, they lose tension, it gets sloppy and it gets dangerous. You certainly can work somebody up to the kettlebell swing, but if you're working with somebody who's 25 years old, been in the league for a few years, they have an injury, you know, you look at their injury list, just do, you know, I, I take, so I hold the weight by the horns and then stick the ball on your belly. And I do, we call those Bulgarian goat bag swings and they're very slow. And it basically is hinge, plank, hinge, plank. If you know me, you know I'm always on the run, up early and home late. So having a three-hour morning routine isn't really in the cards for me. What is in the cards is AG1. It's a fast way to get vitamins and minerals I need to perform. I first gave AG1 a try because I wanted a single solution that helps support my entire body by filling in nutrient gaps and simplifying my morning routine. Since drinking AG1 daily, I've always felt strong and energized and ready to attack the day. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre- and probiotics, and more, it's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's one scoop, mixed in water, once a day, and every day. I know that AG1 is giving my body high-quality nutrition. Every batch of AG1 goes through a rigorous testing process so you know that it's safe. And AG1 ingredients are sourced for absorption, potency, and nutrition density. AG1 is a supplement that I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why I'm excited to welcome them as a new partner. Here is your chance to start every day this season with a gift to yourself. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash provengrit. That's drinkag1.com slash provengrit. Check it out. Hinge plank. Just go to my YouTube channel. I've got examples in there. Bulgarian goat bag swing. What's nice about that is that if I'm working with special forces or if I'm working with elite athletes, I can roast them with that and goblet squats. The workout is called the the butt blaster 5,000 or something like that. So it's 10 Bulgarians, 10 goblets, 9988-7766. If you want to make it harder, add a push-up into that. 10, 10, 10, 10, 999-888. What's funny about that workout is I did that one time in Hawaii on a beach and all we had was ammo. That's what we were using for load. And I got to tell you, man, there were some wide eyes at the end of it. 
Because when I said the workout, they're all like, yeah, you don't know who I am. At the end, it's like, yeah, and you don't know who I am. So there you go. So yes, your, your point is, is right on. We have to do that in so many areas of our coaching. You know, it's like most of the people, most of the clients, if, if you have personal trainers listening, most clients want a supplement. What's the best supplement to take? I'm on a fat loss thing. What's the best supplement? Well, the best supplement you could take is learning how to cook, buying good vegetables, drinking water as your only beverage. Well, that's not a supplement. Yeah, supplements are like, for you, I mean, that's something we're going to worry about seven years from now. You know, trust me, vegetables, protein, water, there's your supplements. You know, in our world, people look at the guy snatching and go, ooh, I want to try that. And it's like, well, you can't hold a plank for eight seconds. You're not going to be able to block that overhead squat out. The single most humbling movement of my entire life. I could throw up damn near 400 pounds on a bench press before I had ever attempted a snatch and I could not get 115 over my head without my knees caving in. It took so much progression, as you put it, to build that up. But it is, it's like playing chess in your brain every single day. And that's why I love it so much, man. It is so nice. It's one of those things. And again, like I said earlier, little Danny John thinking that I should squat snatch and press overhead. He's right. You know, I'm 63 and, you know, working out five days a week and I snatch three days a week. I press three days a week. I, I walk seven, basically squat, whatever, you know, a couple times a week, but he was right. You know, you don't, you know, that kind of movement that requires flexibility, mobility, explosion. I hate some of the words I'm using because they don't really mean anything. I was about to say coordination, but I also have to have a really nice hinge and a really nice squat. I have to have all those patterns patterned. And that's a lot to toss into a brain. And yet when you do it, it's lovely. It really is truly lovely. There's a wisdom and a simplicity with which you speak that I think a lot of people could really benefit from. I think as you start out in this world, and again, me and Rob are from more of the rehab background and trying to, you know, I can think of myself as a new graduate and there's so much complexity going on in your brain. There's so many things bouncing around. It really does take a true vet and being in weight rooms and working with athletes to say, we're going to wait on a kettlebell swing. It's going to be six months. Like you got to get your hinge right. And I, it makes me feel good about myself because I'm, I'm writing out progressions for some of my athletes now. And I'm thinking like, damn, it's been a month and we haven't even come close to a kettlebell swing. So Dan John approves. It makes me feel really good about myself for one. So thank you, sir. And, and it's also okay. I mean, if you're working with collegiate athletes, their biggest issue is sleep. (laughs) You're, you ain't wrong on that one. You're, you're living in a dorm and you're, I mean, I hate to be so vulgar, but you spend a lot of time chasing certain things. And as Casey Stengel told, told us, it's not sex that hurts performance, it's chasing it that hurts performance. <laughs> and so they don't sleep. They go to the cafeteria and they make not the best choices in the world. And, so, and, and in their defense, sometimes there aren't the best choices. Listen, it's going to be sleep. I would say meditation too. I think meditation, sleep, naps, meditation, however you want to do that. Protein, veggies, water, the basics in the weight room, and now let's just go out on the field to play. And it's hard to sell that because it's not very sexy. You know, people want to have a magic glove that, you know, gives you seven hours of sleep with, it's all nonsense. It never happens, you know. And then I want to nerd out on you with a very specific question. I was having a discussion with a colleague. I could throw this out to Rob or Nick. I'd like to kind of get all three of your opinions, but overhead squats. My thought was working on the overhead squat will at some level improve your snatch. I think that the overhead squat is the pinnacle of where mobility and strength meet. 
And if you could do the overhead squat, it's going to have transference to all your other squats as well as your snatch. The person I was speaking with did not agree. What are your thoughts on that, uh, on the transference there? When I coach the discus, the number one lift we do is the overhead squat because I know if you can overhead squat. And I, I, a friend of mine in California once said that you should be able to overhead squat your body weight for 15. I've done it three times in my life. The heaviest. Yo, yo, fuck that. <laughs> the heaviest I've ever done, I've been 265 for 15 rounds. Now, next time you get a chance, just toss 120K over your head and then do 15 squats with it. I'll tell you one thing. I don't know what these are, these little things in there. I think they're called like tendons and something like that. Every single one of them was singing. But I'm a big believer. My first published article in this field was on the overhead squat. So I'm, I'm a yes. I think the overhead squat. Now, here's the deal. If you show up day one, that's okay. You can't do it. Part of my job is to progress you up to it. And that's why I go gobble squat and then overhead squat it, it, almost immediately with a youth athlete because I want them to have that tool in their toolkit their entire career. Now, you can back squat seven and not front squat well, like 115 because you don't have the flexibility. But if you can overhead squat 200, I guarantee you can back squat it, front squat. So it, to me, it is an athlete building. So to increase your snatch, right, there is going to be a point where the cost of benefit doesn't work anymore. And I think that there's some something lost in communication. I was thinking more for someone like myself. I'm a very mediocre to subpar CrossFitter who does this stuff as a hobby. When you start getting an elite territory in Olympic weightlifting, I think you might reach a point where your snatch is going to get so outrageously higher than what you could overhead squat. There's probably going to be a point of diminishing returns, right? Let's do it this way. You're snatching so much that the overhead squat becomes more. And remember, the problem with more is it's just more. It wasn't necessarily better. And you have to throw your arms around that. As a head coach, you got to throw your arms around that. Better is better. More is not better. We want to respect your time. I would tell you that typically I would just keep talking to you forever, but I have read so many of your damn articles that I feel like I owe it to you to, to not keep you longer than 30 minutes here. Let's go a few more. Let's answer questions that are there. The big one is the 10K swing. There's plenty of people that discovered you on T Nation. All my friends would be pissed at me if I didn't talk about it. I know you did a revisited. Give us a couple minutes on that. Well, I get a call from the guy who owns Biotest one time. And he's kind of mad about something. I never understood the part, but he wanted me to do, he wanted the 10,000 swing challenge. It was his idea. And so the next day, Mike and I go in the gym and we pick up the 24s and go, okay, here we go. Let's do a thousand a day for 10 days. We get to a thousand the first day. We look at each other. Okay. That was a, yeah. The next day I get to 800 and Honest to God, I look at Mike and I say, I literally can't move anymore. You know that Christmas tree muscles around the spinal erectors? They were like, someone had put them in ice. I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't move. And so the next day we said, let's do 500. And of course we had to figure out an extra 200 day in there. And at the end, we came up with the program, 500 swings, 20 workouts, wrote the article because that's the way we did it. And then of course, the second the article came out, and which just always happens, what I love about the internet is this. I wrote an article about 20 workouts. And within an hour, there was probably 200 people at T Nation who had better ideas, better way to do the 20 workouts. And I knew this. They hadn't done one of them. Fine. Throw that other F word in there. So, but here's better once again. And so through time, we developed these other things. Basically, I think if you're a good kettlebell swinger, the rep should be 15, a strength movement, 35 a mobility movement 15 a strength movement and the strength movements are very it, the strength movement could be push-up 
the mobility movement could be hang from the bar. The next round of 15 could be a one or two or three goblet squats. The mobility movement could be hip flexor stretch. It, yeah, I have six different programs I've put together, but 15, a simple strength movement, 35, a simple mobility. And I think that's the best method, but there's one other method I like a lot. And it's where you have to do 500 swings. So you just go up to 500 swings. First round, you do 13, your form breaks down, you pick up at 14, you go to 25, your form breaks down, you rest, you go to 26. And this time you feel great. You get up to 50. Good. Then you next rep is 51. I think from what I've seen, that's the one I like best because people aren't chasing that number, the 35 or the 15. So they're, 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 it's, there's more quality reps. And then, the, <laughs> then there's one other way if you have enough kettlebells. It, you can either put 10 in a row, and I don't care what the weights are, or like we did the one time 20. And actually, we did it one time with 25. The nice thing about 25, and you do a set of 10 at each kettlebell. You go through that twice and the workout's done. The only problem with that workout is you don't really rest as much as you should. It's brutal. Well, speaking of which, let's let's talk about the Eagle because I tried it and oh. that, that was a devastating one. I did that back in the old team room and I would put guys on their knees. So did you do it with double 24s? And double 24s and I did it incorrectly. I did double the workload. I was counting a down and back as one rather than a down. So, oh, okay. So, okay. So, and gentle listener. So what it would be is eight double kettlebell front squats. And by when you're doing those, you're resting your grip. And then about a 20 meter, 20 yard walk, turn around. And by the way, when you're walking, you're resting your thighs, eight more. And you do a total of eight rounds of that, which is 64 front squats. I do like it when the when I was back at the school where these NFL guys in there and they were asking about it. I said, you guys don't need to do it. One of my young men did it with double 32s. So a 17-year-old did it with double 32s. Of course, I remember reading that and you said, just go find it and throw up in a bush when you're done. And I was like, yeah, that, <laughs> that's about right. Like it is just a ton of volume. Yeah. And again, when I write something like that, Nick, and it's important to remember this, is that when I put a challenge out there, that's not a program. Right. And I think that's hard for people to understand. So in, I think January and maybe May are the two good times to do the 10,000 swing challenge. First of the year, everyone's got that new New Year's resolution. Bikini and thong season in May, every, you know, you want to look good for the beach. But that, the 10,000 swing challenge isn't meant to be a 12-month program. The eagle is something you would build up to you know, six weeks from today, I'm going to do the Eagle. And then, you know, you work on your front squat, you work, you, tri- you know, and then you build up to it. I think that's one thing I don't like about the way my work has been presented, like a T-Nation or breaking muscle, is that you get this idea that everything's just, you know, punch you in the face. It's no. Challenges are kind of fun little things to, yeah, they, it'll improve your body composition, it'll improve your strength, it'll, it'll do good things for you. But it's just, it's like a, it's like a thing out there, you know, day to day, week in, week out. It's like a hero wad in CrossFit. It's like a, a 5K or a, a mile run. You're not going to go bust ass and do it every single yeah. time. Like you're working to get better at that. And it's a good test gate, but it's not necessarily exactly the method. Exactly. Very good. And that does get confusing for people. Yes. Quickly, before we let you go, one more thing. The, the workout generator, I didn't even know you created this. How do people find that? Because that's pretty cool online uh, i hate to be this guy but i'm putting myself out of business the workout generator 
is I, I pulled out the fat loss workout. It's called the fat loss workout generator. So we have two up there now, one specific for fat loss and then the general. And I pulled that workout out and I, and I emailed Brian and I said, dude, I can never design this workout. And then he emailed me back and goes, well, you wrote the workout. And I said, well, that, okay, that's true. But what the workout generator does, folks, the first thing you do is you put in what equipment you have and then how long you want to work out. And then, you know, there's some very simple questions. Then you press the button. This thing spits out the five. If you want five workouts a week, it spits them out for you. Then you can adjust the exercises up and down. It's at danjohnuniversity.com. We changed the name from Dan John workouts at danjohnuniversity.com, which I still think is kind of funny. I still don't know if I like it, but it's kind of fun. It makes it sound a little fancy. I mean, I, I tell personal, I'm trying to get personal trainers who, I have personal trainers who use it. And I keep saying, well, use it with your clients too. The way it's set up in the coaching thing is that your client gets an email of the workout. So, I mean, it's win-win, man. So yeah, there is a charge for it. And I apologize, listeners, but we, I hire a lot of people to help me do this. We have a, we have a fairly substantial server. We have you know people out there working on it. You know, so uh, I would give it away. Better be a charge for it. What the hell? I mean, come on. I generally do everything for free, you know, but in this one, I just can't. So, well, awesome, man. We're going to let you go. We have three quick ones and these are supposed to be just let the listeners get to know you a bit. The first one is the most important. It's what's your favorite non-alcoholic seltzer as you take a glass of wine? You know, club soda. Club soda, just regular club soda. Yeah. You know, what's funny about club soda is that, yeah, especially if it's not too salty. Club soda is an amazing little drink. It's like, really? Huh, there's no calories in that, but I feel, yeah, yeah. Okay, there you go. Yeah. I agree. All right, so we ask every guest how they define strong. We've had some people throw out the 315 power clean and jerk, the, the double body weight squat. So give us a movement and a weight standard that you, somebody comes in your gym, you're like, that dude or that girl is strong. You know, historically, the word courage has always been tied into strength. It's only recently that we said, oh, the marathoners have the most courage and stuff like that. Cur, it comes from the heart. So for me, when I define strong, it goes along with the same exact word as resilient. The people like my, on December 8th, 1941, my entire family met in a San Francisco house and the women said, don't worry about your kids, we'll raise them. And one of my family members said, you're going to the Marines, you're going to the Army, and you're going to the Navy. You're going to the Marines, you're going to the Army, you're going to the Navy. And the young men walked out that door and signed up. Folks, stepping up when you're called, whether it is to defeat a bully, or to save a nation, or to get off to work, take your kids to school when they're complaining about everything. That to me is what strength is. And I, no offense, but those numbers are so low, it's pathetic. I'm embarrassed to talk about a, a 315 power plant. We're talking about 14 year olds or, or actual lifters. You're gonna hurt a lot of people. Just You're gonna hurt a lot of people's feelings after, oh, after that. Geez, I'm sorry. Yeah. So I taught my daughters, anytime a boy brags about a 200 pound bench, they're supposed to lean in and go, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> hey, Dan just hit his first 225 recently. Yeah, hey, what, what's your what's your snatch PR, by the way? 314. Hell yeah. Clean and jerk? But just for one. That's okay. Clean and jerk? What's What about that? I cleaned 402. Stood up with it, missed the jerk. But uh, th I did 385, 175 kilos a number of times in competition. Problem is, as a thrower, I got the soggy right shoulder, the, the throwing shoulder. And so jerks tended to tail off to the right a little bit. So my jerks almost always. Right. You don't want that with 380 pounds over your head. Yeah. Let so. alone 402. Dan, hit him with the last quicker. 
Last question, you're going for a one rep max clean and jerk, one rep max snatch. You need a song, piece of music to get you amped up. Can I swear? Please. So we're at the Nationals. If I miss this clean and jerk, I take fourth place. If I make this clean and jerk, I win by body weight. Okay? I'm nervous as hell. My wife, Tiffany, walks up to me. She's the one who just brought me one. She goes, you know, we couldn't afford to make this trip. I go, no, we're hurting. She goes, no, you don't understand. We don't have the money for this trip. I go, I'm sorry. And she leans into me. She says, make the fucking lift. That's the best song you need. The head judge said he'd never seen anyone sprint to the platform that fast. Because I wasn't afraid of the bar anymore. I was afraid of my life. <laughs> so that reminds, that reminds me of Adrian and Rocky Four. You can't win. <laughs> so, so that, that, so yeah. If there was a song, it would be "Girl from Ipanema." That would be the one. This has been a pleasure, man. We appreciate it. This has been great. Shout out how people can find you. We'll obviously post this on our Instagram and we'll link your YouTube and everything. But what's the easiest way for people to find you? The archive of. Every, it's literally three reams of paper if you print it all off. DanJohn.net, all free, always will be. And then DanJohnUniversity.com has a whole bunch of downloads, a whole bunch of new articles. And but I do have to charge you for that one. I apologize. But I would say you can <laughs> you could probably spend the next year reading everything on DanJohn.net. You would that would keep you busy. Awesome. Thanks so much, Dan. Great to meet you. Great to talk to you. Let's make this happen again. Okay. Thank you so much for the time, Dan. You're the man. Appreciate it. All right. Hope you guys enjoyed that interview. I mean, I know we're fired up still. Again, danjohn.net. It's a fountain of knowledge. Literally, I've been clicking around the website for days now, and you can't run out of stuff to read. Check out his articles on T Nation. It's awesome stuff. Boys, we got a little bit of time here to bullshit. Let's do some hitters, and then you know what? We should talk about Khabib a little bit too. Give him. A we little should respect. talk about Khabib. Yeah, yeah. Khabib is. I mean. You know, I'm not a huge fan of his, but you got, got to respect how how amazingly good he is. And I sent you that article today that he used a triangle choke because he heard that he got wind that Gaethje wasn't going to tap, right? So he got wind that Gaethje wasn't going to ha- tap. So instead of doing an arm bar and breaking his arm in front of Gaethje's family, you know, the biggest fight of his life, he transitions to a triangle choke to just kind of put him to sleep and end the fight, which is, if that story is true, if you in the biggest fight of your life fighting against the guy who beats up everyone else on the planet except for you at your size. And then you can just pick what submission you want to put on him to win the fucking fight. The most insane shit I've ever heard in my life. So hats off to Khabib. You got to say he's one or two of the best people to ever, ever step in the octagon. Definitely one of the best. And I feel it's such a shame that like, I understand why he's retiring, but I feel like there's still so many fights you could see with him. Like, I feel like he's just gaining traction and people are starting to like, cause he was kind of like made out to be the villain against Connor, right? Like everybody likes Connor and everybody's starting to realize like he's kind of got like a shady past and Habib is probably like the true good guy. And I, I feel like there's so much out there for him, but you got to respect his decision to step down. Can I put our hypothetical fight question up on this podcast? Yeah, we should. It's a, it's a great, it's a great question. I, I love these questions. Like who would win in a fight? Like Gronk with a six week training camp or Manny Pacquiao. So I love these hypothetical fight questions. So here's what I had and keep my Nick's Nick's, you know, pretty tough guy. Strong has a rec- high school wrestling, but you didn't wrestle in like D1 college, but you have a high school wrestling, pretty solid high school wrestler, right? Yeah. I said, Nick, you get to blow up to 225 and you get a year camp and you get this best strength and conditioning, the best coaching in the world. Khabib has to suck down to 155. So Khabib walks around at like 195, 200 pounds. He has to suck down to 95 pounds. And then without rehydrating, without taking a sip of water, run right in the ring and try to, to fight you to the death MMA. 
do you like your chances? So we're talking about a 225 pound Nick Cressy with a year of training, 155 pound dehydrated, miserable Khabib. And how do you do? And you, you think you do pretty well. I, I, I kind of agree. I, I don't know. I think I said that he'd he, need to be, he'd be down a, a pint or two of blood as well. Down a pint or two of blood. Exactly. And you have to be. So I like your chances of at least keeping it respectable. I still think he chokes you out, but I think it's yeah. it's not a bloodbath. Yeah, he's still choking me out. I mean, in that in that case, he should be really near death. And on, I should on be- death's door, but he is Russian. <laughs> he, he is a, a Dagestan. I mean, that's a different breed of human. I mean, they're like, dude, they're the like guy a, was wrestling with a grizzly bear as a baby. Like that's that's how people know this dude. Those like, the people from that area. It's like it's like I'm like Natty Light. You know, they're natty ice. Like, they're not fucking around. Like, it's a different fucking breed. They really are a different breed. Rob, what do you think about that fight? I mean, I think he would have to be dead for Nick to have a chance to win. (laughs) I I don't think... (laughs) Yeah. We can't even respect respect how good he is in there. Like, you hear about guys like Dan Cormier. They're talking about wrestling with this guy. Like, and they have 60 pounds on him. And he's wrestling around with those guys. Like, there's just a level of... Straight like the way he throws around Gaethje. Gaethje's a D one wrestler. As soon as you get him on the ground, the guy couldn't move. Yeah, there were things that like when Dan came over and we were watching the Israel fight, and we were talking about the hips and how how quickly these really D one athletes and it's the same thing weightlifters do when they don't let the bar get far away from them, but it's just fighting and they get their hips and take the space away from you. And next thing you know, you had leverage. It doesn't matter how big you are; they have leverage. You're going over their shoulders, and he would do that so quickly to juice up. 225 pound Nick Cressy. Doesn't matter if he had no blood in his body. Like you said, you guys remember, do you remember pros versus Joe's that show? I think it was. Yeah. On yes. Yes. So they brought on some like legit athletes, like college athletes. These guys are like all 220, 230. And they got in a round. I think they got in a ring and fought with Arturo Gotti. I think it was a boxer they brought on. He's tiny, right? And they couldn't touch him. They couldn't touch him. Oh, and he awesome. was he was holding back and like not not trying to hit these guys too hard. But you could see like they were just they would be gassed thirty seconds in because you he's so slippery. You can't. He's a professional boxer. That's his job. Yeah. That's like me trying to pretend I'm an electrician going into like a commercial building and, and electrocute myself because I don't have the training. Like it's just a different level. It is a different world. I like I said. I'll this this could be a new segment called hypothetical fights. I I love these scenarios. I love to talk about it. And it's probably one of my favorite things in the absolute world. And then both of you have stake in the in the NFL world this weekend. Rob, big time Baltimore Ravens fan. Nick, big time Steelers fan. Nick, give me a reason not to bet on the Steelers money line. Rob, give me a reason to bet on the Steelers money line. So it's a rivalry game. It's going to be a close game. I don't know how many points Pittsburgh are getting, but if you look at all the matchups of Baltimore-Pittsburgh over the years, a high percentage of them end within like two to three point games. So if the spread is outside of that, I don't know what the spread is, then, then you go Pittsburgh. Yeah, it's relatively high. Pittsburgh's a five major a dog. Five, five, but I, I would just go, at that point, I'm just going Steelers' money line. I mean, those are two pretty damn even teams. If you're, I mean, I think they're both legit-ass contenders. The Steelers, Nick, your Steelers have impressed the hell out of me. The, the Ravens, I think, will peak at the right time. They haven't quite peaked yet. What do you think, Nick? Yeah, I mean, this is a classic game where the the Steelers play up to competition and down the competition. No one really cares about me getting into too much Steeler talk here. One thing I would say, played them tough both games last year with absolutely terrible quarterbacks and should have beaten them one of two. The other one, they lost 28-10, but if you actually look at that game, it was way closer. Lamar's not going to tear us up. There's just no chance. I will say, too, strategy fitness, shout out to Ben Roethlisberger. That dude, I mean, I've never been like the biggest Big Ben fan. I respect the shit out of him. I think he's a great quarterback. Definitely the best shape he's ever been in. I cannot remember him moving this well. Have you? And his slimmed down. I think he looks terrific. 
Now he actually does. He's getting rid of the ball quickly. He clearly doesn't want to get hit. So someone finally got through to him that it's 2020. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Like, seven step drops anymore. Yeah. Use your skill players and yeah. get rid of the ball. Yeah. And he's got him. So, yeah. Yeah. Probably would have won a couple Super Bowls, a couple more if he would have yeah. been doing that like in 2013 to 2019. Yeah. You know? I guess it took until he was 58 years old. Awesome. But no, he looks great. Like fitness wise, like if we're talking strategy of fitness, like Ben Roethlisberger, whatever he's doing, man, he finally got figured it the fuck out. I mean, what do you think about Tampa Bay? He's doing great, man. Dude, I, he had to throw to Scotty Miller. I'm a big Scotty Miller fan. I think that it's weird because he is, I think, in a way wash because if you rush him, if you can get anybody to him, he folds like a, an accordion. But if you give him time and you give him time, he looks good. And people forget this with every aging athlete. Like I remember growing up, Cal Ripken would go four for five, right? And like, Cal's back, Cal's back. Like all these aging athletes still have that elite performance in them. How many weeks are they going to give it to you though? You know, and that, yeah, Peyton did the same thing. And right, if right. you remember his last really good year with Denver, he was the exact yeah. same way. He tore it up with Demarius Thomas yeah. and Emmanuel Sanders. But if you got people by his feet, oh, he done. would just go right down. He would just do his like patented thing where he was yeah. just protecting himself. And Brady's the exact same way. If there's a guard getting pushed into his face, he's done. Dude, he's, he's, he's done. But up. at the same time, like, uh, like Peyton won that second Super Bowl. He's yep. washed. He couldn't throw the ball, but the guy, like you look at the same thing, Brady, he's been in every play. He's been in every single scenario. He's got weapons. Like it, they're going to be a tough out, man. It, it, offense, Antonio Brown, though, and if that offense, well, see, I think he's a cancer. I think if their offensive line gets, if their offensive line plays as well as it has, I think they're a real tough fucking out, which is my nightmare. It is. I, I just need I, him. I need him out of my life. Rob, what's up? I can't believe I'm talking to two CrossFit like aficionados. You guys are talking NFL. You want to talk about the CrossFit games. You're not going to comment on that. Dude, what are we even going to say? What are we going to say? We get the two people that make the games boring to watch because they're so damn good. They are the display that Frazier and Tia Toomey put on. And what do you have to say? I mean, that was just ridiculous from my perspective. Yeah, I think that's the, the biggest takeaway is like no matter the scenario, they just they continue to dominate. I'm curious to get your thoughts on like the the setup this year and, and like the the workouts. Like, I don't know. What, what, what are your thoughts on the, the program before it? I think they did a good job making difficult workouts, a wide range of workouts. But I don't think they care at all about what it looks like to watch on TV. Like, that's my biggest takeaway. Like Dave Castro is going to do what Dave Castro wants to do. And he's going to test fitness his way. I was hoping this year they would do some weird stuff where they were going to do some one-on-ones, do some seating and shuffling around and, you know, maybe a tug of war, maybe a one-on-one sprint or, or some, some different stuff that makes it like, well, it doesn't matter what points in contention, it's one-on-one. And they just haven't went that route yet. Dan, what about you? Yeah, I like the events. And, and again, I kind of watched a lot of secondhand more highlights and it gets back to my point of like, you have a product and you have somebody like me who's interested in the product and, you know, does a podcast where we tend to talk about this stuff. It's like Saturday, I'm watching both my kids and I can't just throw it on the TV in the background. You know, I have to have a computer fired up or whatever. So I wind up watching it like secondhand. And then you look at the scores and you're like, Tia and Matt are so far in front of everybody. Yeah, I, I, I always like those formats. I think it's cool just to watch what the fuck they can do on these crazy workouts. That last workout, <laughs> what is it? The uh, mile run, the 20 pound weight vest, 14 pound for the girls mile run. What was it a hundred pull up? Oh, no, hundred handstand push ups. Hundred handstand push ups. Two hundred pistols. Three hundred pull ups. Mile run. So basically, like the Murph on steroids. Surprised nobody got rabbed though. The girls killed it in that. You know, it's kind of cool to see the girls kind of beat the guys. You know, a little bit with some of those gymnastics and body weight movements. I thought that was terrific. But yeah, Tia and Matt. I mean, I think it's gonna be cool when we figure out because I know they're kind of secretive about aspects of their training. There's got to be something that. 
they're doing either from a recovery standpoint or, or, you know, and I think I know they both take the recovery seriously, but it would just be interesting to see the differences in the different elite athletes training with, with them. I think those are just two that self-selected the right sport, man. They got Olympic lifting backgrounds yeah, and, and they can train their energy systems and they're just, they don't have to worry about their strength. They're just so far ahead of everybody else. So they recover easier. Those workouts don't crush them as much. I think that's it, man. When you have that baseline of strength, world-class strength, you also have the size. Like, Frazier's 5'7". Yeah. Of course he's the best thruster person in the world because we can't simulate that no matter how much we train, no matter how light the barbell is. We'll never be able to cycle a thruster like he can or anything like that, you know? Like, yeah. And what he's done is trained himself to somehow still be able to sprint and swim like the others. It's just – it's so incredibly impressive, but at the same time, <laughs> they're going to have to do something with it. It's funny. We talk about the height. My buddy Reeb, who's high Reeb, if you're out there a long time, listen to the podcast. And he's, he's, he's like wants to do CrossFit, but like he was texting me about a gym that he was thinking about joining with one of his buddies. And he's this big dude. He's like six, four. And I'm like, just get ready to just be annihilated by everyone in the gym. That's five, six. Like that's part of this process. Like you've been big dog your whole life. Like, <laughs> you know, this ain't your world. You're going to do well on the rower. I think his grandfather was on one of the crew teams in the Olympics back in the day. And I was like, you do well on that. But aside from that, you're going to be pretty, pretty much fucked with everything else. <laughs> and I think that's a, that's a perfect way to segue to the hitters. By the way, we got some great guests coming up. We got Tetlow coming back. We got a gentleman named Ooh. Stu Smith coming in for any of the people that, that, like the, the operator side of the house. So some really cool stuff coming. Rob, what do you got for a hitter this week? You know, I used to take this a lot more seriously. I would think about songs all week, and now I feel like I'm always scrambling for a song. So this one's going to sound really weird. It's a Paula Abdul cover, straight up by Me First and the Gimme Gimmies. I've heard that's of a, these that, guys. Leah loves that band, and straight up, you could put straight up by Paula Abdul on the damn playlist, and I'm happy, so fuck yeah. I got a topical one. Because I think we were all in this world infatuated with the rise of Tyler Hero in the Miami Heat. So I'm going to go with the song Tyler Hero by Jack Harlow. It's a, it's a hitter. It's got a, a great beat. And it just, like I said, it captures the moment of the Miami Heat taking America by storm and everyone rooting for Tyler Hero, which is, which is great. Cool. And mine is going back to the well Hell, the sequel from that album, Bad Meets Evil, Living Proof. Really, the whole album could go on there. It's fantastic. Royce to 5'9 and, and Eminem, but it's one that came on the other day. And I said, this needs to be on the, on the hitters list. Cool, boys. Well, that was fun. I think I'm finally coming down off my high. Hopefully everyone enjoyed the episode. Anything on the way out? It's been fun. It's been great, man. We've had some great guests. We got a shitload more coming. And thanks for listening. We always appreciate it. And just another note, I know we asked in the beginning, but if you do have time, leave a review helps us out tremendously or just, you know, shoot us a message or a text. We've had several people reach out who are just kind of organic listeners and man, nothing makes our day more than when people reach out like, yo, we like what you're doing. We like what you're putting down and, and keep going. So that really gives us a lot of motivation. It makes us feel great. So thanks everyone out there. Yeah, absolutely. And for any Red Sox fans out there, I hope you enjoyed that Mookie Betts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Only trading the best player in baseball in his prime. Fucking great idea. Dumbasses. I thought you guys learned about that 100 years ago. Exactly. <laughs> Maybe this will start a new curse. That'll be great. I need another new like boss curse <laughs> to get me fucking through the day. Me too. Peace. <laughs>